This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. As we continue this sermon series on doubt, we'll be focusing on the words uh, from the letter to the Romans, chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who have been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, as we remember today as Palm Sunday and and how the crowds gathered around you to praise you, we gather around you today, Jesus, to praise you, knowing what's going to happen this week, your death and your resurrection. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us, especially throughout this week, focus our attention on your resurrection and give us hope. And I pray that that nothing I'm doing would get in the way of the work of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. Our brains are meaning-making machines. Our brains are always trying to make sense of, of our stories, of what's going on around us. And you can see this especially in children. I asked my kids if I could share this story, and they said it's okay, and when my, my children were really little, they always had those why questions. Shelby was always asking, why can't I eat everybody's ice cream? And Jonah was always asking, why do I have to sleep? I don't think I have to sleep. Why do I have to sleep? And then Annie was always asking, why can't I have enough, another stuffed animal in my bed? And we'd say, because we can't find you in your bed. You follow around kids long enough, they'll always ask these why questions. You know, why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Why did God let that happen? But you know, as we grow up, we don't stop asking those why questions. Our brains are always trying to make sense of the world around us. And and when we can't make sense of our pain, that's when we really suffer. In fact, uh, Viktor Frankl, the Jewish psychologist, said it this way, Suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning. When we can make sense of something, we just have the pain. But when it doesn't make sense, we also have this psychological and spiritual suffering. So for example, if I go to the doctor and the doctor pulls out a syringe and gives me a shot or or draws blood, I have the pain of the shot, but I don't suffer. I, I know why I'm going through that pain. I know what the doctor is up to. 
But you bring a little child into the doctor's office and, and they start poking the child with all these needles and the child has the pain of the needles, but then they look at you and say, you know, why? Why are you letting this person poke me with all these na- needles? So not only do they have the, the pain, but they have that psychological, even spiritual suffering. And that goes on and on throughout our life. I mentioned the story before, I think, but about 20 years ago, just over that, uh, my father was in a very bad motorcycle accident. Right before his 50th birthday, uh, he was flown flight for life. He broke all sorts of bones in his body. His brainstem was bleeding. He had to be in the hospital for about a month and in a nursing home for another two months on top of that. And as a family, we were asking all these why questions. He's been riding a motorcycle since he was 14 years old. Why did he get an accident like this now, before his 50th birthday? And why did it happen on such a bright, sunny day? And why would God allow that driver to stop right there? Why, why, why? And you have your list of why questions. You know, why the divorce? Why are my children suffering? Why the cancer? Why the bankruptcy? Why did this happen? And when we can't find an answer to those why questions, we suffer. And usually, we ultimately take that suffering up to God. And we wonder, God, where are you? God, are you punishing me? And maybe, God, maybe you don't even exist at all because you don't seem to be coming up with an answer. Well, today we're continuing our sermon series, Dealing With My Doubts. And I think today's doubt is the doubt behind every other doubt. When I talk to people who have left the Christian faith, uh, they'll say something like, the reason I left the faith was because of the scientific discovery or uh, or because I didn't agree with, with something in the Bible. But usually if you keep asking a person, this is why they leave the faith. Because they suffer And they can't think of any good reason why God would allow that to happen. And so this is the big one. This is a really challenging question to answer. So here's the question I want to answer in this sermon with God's word. Why would a good God allow me to suffer? And answer that question, we're going to go back to Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, I don't know how much you know about how the Bible is put together, but the Apostle Paul, uh, the one who wrote these words, he at one time was anti-Christian. He thought Christianity was corrupting uh, his Jewish faith. And so he was so zealous for his God that he went around rounding up Christians to put them in jail. He even was supporting the murder of Christians. But then one day he met the resurrected Jesus on his way to Damascus and he became a Christian. And he used all that zeal to start churches all over the world. You can read about it in the book of Acts, his three great missionary journeys. And then after he made these missionary journeys, he would write letters to these churches. And so that's what a lot of the New Testament is. They're just letters that Paul wrote to these churches he started. Uh, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament are Paul's letters to these churches. What makes this letter to the Romans unique is that he didn't start this church. He knew this church had started, a group of of Christians gathered together in Rome, and he wanted to build a relationship with them to use that church as kind of a a sending off spot because he wanted to get to Spain. And so he wrote them this letter to try to 
uh, build a relationship with them, respond to some of their questions, uh, clarify their teaching and doctrine. And because Paul had been around Christians and he had started all these churches, he knew the questions they were going to ask. He knew that they would want to know more about who's sinful and how do we get out of this problem and how do we respond to sin? Is it by our works or by God's grace? And so he wrote about that. He also knew that they were going to be, uh, have questions on how do Jews and Gentiles get, to get, get along in the church. And so he wrote a lot about that. But he knew that these Christians in Rome, like all Christians, had lots of questions about suffering. And so when you read the letter to the Romans, you find lots and lots of material on suffering, like Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 8. And so let's look, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 today. Now, Paul knows that when somebody suffers, they, they usually go one of two routes. When they suffer, uh, sometimes they blame themselves. Uh, they try to answer that why question, why did God allow me su- to suffer? And they, they try to answer by saying, God is getting back to me. God is getting back at me for something I did. I deserve this. He's punishing me. And I've noticed that especially with people who are in abusive relationships or things like that, that it's almost a safety mechanism to blame themselves. Because if they blame themselves, they at least can make sense of that because it's so hard to believe that someone out there would be so evil as to hurt them or that there'd be so much evil in the world. And so they blame themselves. And so Paul wants to respond to that. If, if you think God is punishing you for what you're experiencing, Paul says this. Therefore, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have peace with God and we're in this grace which we now stand. Now, Paul is writing to the Romans, and so in this section, he's using lots of kind of um, courtroom terms because he knew that the Romans would understand these courtroom terms, and one of the courtroom terms is justified. So Paul wants you to picture yourself in God's courtroom. You're standing before God, the judge, and you expect when he drops the gavel, he would say guilty, and that's why you're suffering. But Paul says when he's writing to the Romans that when he drops the gavel, God says you're justified, which means you're declared innocent. You're declared innocent. And so the suffering you're going through is not because God is condemning you. Yeah, maybe there are some consequences in your life because of the things that you've done. But ultimately, God is not punishing you because he already punished Jesus Christ. That's what we are talking about this whole week in Holy Week, is that God condemned Jesus so that you could have peace with God. And Paul wants you to be so bold that he goes on to say this. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in it. We shout it from the rooftops that that God's story of reconciling, redeeming, and justifying, and declaring me innocent, this is an amazing thing that I'm at peace with God. That God's not punishing me. But that's not where everybody goes. Sometimes when people face suffering, they don't blame themselves, they blame God. And and that's understandable. The logic goes something like this. If God is really all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, why doesn't he just stop all suffering? 
right? If God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, why doesn't he just stop all suffering? Well, the quick answer to that is if God stopped all suffering and all the things that would contribute to this world's suffering, then who would be left? You see, we have to be honest um, that in some way as human beings, we participate in this world's suffering. We have contributed. We are sinful. And so you can look back on your life and there are some things in your life that has contributed to this world's suffering. And if God were to get rid of all things that would cause suffering, he would have to get rid of all of us. And so God does allow for some suffering so that we could exist, so we could live in a free world. But still, that doesn't always answer our deepest questions. You know, when we look, but, but God, how could you allow that suffering? How could you allow that thing to happen? That just, I can't come up with a good answer for that. You know, I've, I've met with people who, you know, newlyweds who have lost their, a young woman who lost her husband, right? Very soon after they got married. I've, I've met with people who were in the church their whole life and they suffered um, abuse inside the church. And I've, I've met with people who've had all these things happen and they can't seem to come up with a good reason. And I agree with them. I can't come up with a good reason either while, why they suffered. But just because we can't come up with a good reason why someone suffers doesn't mean there isn't a good reason doesn't mean there isn't a good reason. And God promises that he will actually use that. And that's what Paul says in verse 3 of our text. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We, we actually almost boast in them. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Paul, Paul says that when we suffer, things happen. There's a kind of a, a, a chain link that something happens. When you suffer, you learn perseverance or endurance or patience. Uh, you learn not to be impulsive. You learn to accept the pain, live in the pain. You learn to patience in the pain, not to be impulsive when, when, you, when you suffer. And then when you learn to endure that kind of suffering, you learn that patience, that turns into character. It clarifies what you, actually matters to you. You talk to people who suffer, they have this clarity about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and bad. They have this clarity about who God is. And when you clarify what really matters to you, what's really important, what's really true, that gives you hope. Now, that's still hard to understand. That's still hard to believe how suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character hope. All I can say is I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. It's hard to always explain, but I've seen the results. For example, uh, I want you to hear from, from somebody that I really admire, uh, Pastor Timothy Keller. He was a pastor out in New York um, back in the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, and he's retired uh, and he continues to write. He's one of the most, I think, prolific Christian authors right now. But unfortunately, he is in he's got stage four cancer. And they had thought that by now he would have really not made it. 
He's still around and he's still uh, talking when he can, still writing when he can. And he was in a recent interview and this is what he said. They were asking him about what has he learned as he has suffered. He says, the highlights are, and this is going to sound like an exaggeration, but my wife and I would never want to go back to the kind of prayer life or spiritual life we had before the cancer. I really thought that I had a good prayer life. And when I broke through into another dimension, I realized that, frankly, my prayer life wasn't very good. And so Pastor Timothy Keller, he wouldn't have asked for this cancer, but he says, I would never want to go back to my pre-cancer prayer life or spiritual life. I have learned a whole new dimension of intimacy with God through this struggle. Then this last week, it just so happened, I was on a, on a webinar with a few other pastors and a pastor's coaching network, and it just so happened that a book that we were reading, the author was willing to give the webinar. Uh, pastor, or he, he, was, he was a pastor. His name is Chad Bird. He's a prolific writer. And he told us his story and why he writes the books he writes and why he's so devoted to, to writing. Because at one time, he was a well-known Christian Hebrew professor at a big seminary. And he was asked to speak all over the world and all over the country. And that his height of his success, he imploded. He cheated on his wife and lost his marriage and lost his job and lost all that recognition. And he suffered because of his own sin. And then on top of that, just this last year, he lost his son, his 21-year-old son, in a hiking accident when he fell hiking, passed away. And as he was giving this presentation, he said, through all of this suffering, I have been emptied. And now I feel like I've finally been emptied of enough that I, have, I am of, of some use to God. I'm an empty vessel that God can actually use now. It's really moving. And then back to my father's story. What we didn't know when we were asking all those why questions as he was going through his recovery, he told us that before his accident, he had been praying in the months and months leading up to that accident, God, make me a better Christian. God, make me a better Christian. And then he went through that. And he's different. He's more patient. He's more kind. He's more humble. He doesn't take himself so seriously. He realizes he's not in ultimate control of his life. Now, I don't think that's going to answer every, every question we have about suffering, but I think that could help us answer our opening question, why would a good God allow me to suffer? We could say suffering can lead to strength. Suffering can lead to strength, and I've seen it in lives of so many people. It leads to spiritual strength. Now, this is still a hard teaching. It won't resolve all the tension that we have, but but there's one way that I think I, we could use, one illustration I could use to maybe help make sense of it. My son started wrestling this last year, and, and to be honest, I don't know anything about wrestling. I had to learn everything from uh, my wife's side of the family. My, my wife grew up with a bunch of brothers who wrestled, and, and so I'd ask her, and I had asked my brother-in-law and my father-in-law how wrestling all worked, how the point system worked, how pins work, and how the time works, all this stuff. So I still don't really understand wrestling, but here's one thing I do understand it has to be one of the hardest sports that a young person could experience. When you watch uh, two young people uh, 
pushing and pulling and striving with all of their might to try to take that other person down. The other person's trying to take them down. They use every single muscle. And, and sometimes, you know, you see these kids, especially in their, when they start wrestling, they come off the mat and they say, I thought he was trying to kill me. You know, they, like they, they feel like they're getting choked out. They don't know what's going to happen. It's just so overwhelming. But what I've seen with these young people is when they go through this, there is no other sport that I've seen that, that, that suffering that creates this kind of perseverance and this kind of character in these young people. And I think that's kind of what Paul is talking about here in this text. In fact, throughout the Bible, the Bible uses wrestling as an illustration of the, the struggle of the Christian life. Uh, it's a, a very ancient story in the first book of the Bible, the story of Jacob. Do you know the story of Jacob? That one night after a whole life of deceiving everybody and deceiving his brother and deceiving his dad and deceiving everybody, he wrestles with God. And you know what? God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, which means to wrestle with God. And then throughout the Bible, there's all these other stories of people wrestling, but they're not wrestling with God. They're actually wrestling with the devil. For example, the story of Job. In the Old Testament, the story of Job, Job loses everything. He loses his money. He loses his reputation, his standing in society. He loses his children, all of them. And then he loses his health. And all this time he's crying out, God, why? And what the reader understands by reading the book of Job behind the scenes, it's actually the devil that's been taking these things from him. It's the devil that he's wrestling with. And then in the New Testament, the, this Paul guy that we're reading from, he, in 2 Corinthians, he says that he had this thorn in the flesh. He doesn't tell us what it is, but it's some kind of ailment that he's experiencing. He's, he's really mad about it and he's frustrated. He's really suffering. He's calling out to God three times. He called out, God, take this away from him. And what we read is it's actually a messenger of Satan. And then this week, as all these things happen to Jesus, as we think about Holy Week, about how he's betrayed by his own disciples, Judas, we actually find out it was Satan that tempted Judas to, uh, to betray Jesus. And then because of the prophecies about Jesus, we know that it was Satan who's trying to crush Jesus' heel and strike his heel and, and bring him down and suffer. And yet in all of these cases, God was using these wrestling matches. God was working in and through them and for them and wrestling with them. In the case of Job, God was giving Job a purified faith, this whole new strength and faith through that wrestling match. In the case of, of Paul, Paul says, I was, it was to keep me from becoming conceited because of all the success and all the visions I was seeing God humbled me so that I would trust in the sufficiency of God's grace alone. And then when it comes to Jesus, God was using that whole wrestling match between Jesus and Satan to pay for every single one of our sins and to resurrect us one day. That's our ultimate hope. And so I know that's not going to answer all of our questions, but, but I think what God is trying to teach us to do is to reframe our pain. That's the big take-home. Reframe your pain. See, when I'm watching a wrestling match and, 
And I, I see these young people and they feel like they're losing. They're getting defeated. They feel like they're dying. I'm, I'm worried for them too. And yet the coach is right there and the coaches know what's going on. And they get off the mat and the coach goes right up to them and said, you know, I'm seeing things in you I didn't see before. You're growing and you're, you might have lost that match, but you're growing and you're, you're getting stronger and, and I'm so proud of you. And that's what God is doing through this. God is actually wrestling with us. He is there for us. And ultimately, on the last day, we will be resurrected and we will understand how God was at work in all of it. So you need to reframe your pain. It's not meaningless. It's not abstract. It's not, it's not haphazard. It's not chaotic. There is a purpose in your pain. There is a purpose for the things you're going through. God is allowing them and God is there right there with you. He's going to use it all to give you eternal hope. I know this is the hard one. This is the reason people leave the faith. And I, I, I'm sure I haven't answered all of the questions, but one day they will be answered. See, Jesus did rise from the dead this week. And we look forward to the great and last day, the glorious resurrection, when all of our tears will be wiped away and all of our questions will be answered. But until now, until then, I want you to reframe it. I want you to recognize the the wrestling match that you are in right now with the devil and he wants to defeat you and yet God is using it all. God is using all of your suffering to build perseverance and perseverance character and character to give you eternal hope. So reframe your pain because of the work of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, as we enter into this week of Holy Week, I'm praying right now for those who are suffering. Lord God, we remember that this week you suffered. You suffered unjust suffering and at one time it looked meaningless. You yourself even cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You even had the cries of why. And so Lord God, help us to make sense of our suffering and your suffering. Help us to find eternal hope Help us to find a renewed sense of strength in you. Help us to reframe our pain. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.